0: Broadcasting from the Third Coast and recorded live at Tripod South Studios, this is The Hango Show. Nice. So you can pair your waters. I
1: would have to avoid the uh, sulfur ones because I'm allergic.
0: Yeah. And so <laughs> well, who wants to we drink rotten to... eggs, you know?
1: I mean, yes, but it's so weird because we went to Yellowstone when I was in high school. Well, I guess it was middle school. Um, and I didn't know that I was allergic to sulfur until we went to all the like hot springs and there was just sulfur everywhere. And then I was just sick and started burping all the time for like four days straight. When we were there, I burped sulfur for four (laughs) days. It was horrific and I never want to go back. Hey honey. (laughs) uh... I was literally laying on the back seat of our car, just like dying and belching and trying not to puke because my body was like hey this is terrible you should stop
0: so your family and then i
1: got to take the flavor home with me
0: it was great (laughs) they didn't know you were allergic to silver when they went up there
1: no we had no idea we had a whole two and a half week vacation planned everything we were staying on site in yellowstone like at the big giant cabin thing and then i was sick And we spent two days in the hot springs, and they couldn't figure out why that was causing me to have this reaction that I did. And then we had to stop, basically.
0: So your family went on vacation (laughs) to a volcano, and y'all realized, oh, she's allergic to sulfur. So
1: Not a great place for me to be. No. It was super
0: cool. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hango Show. This is your host, Hango Wood, again. And tonight I have someone I've never really spoken to in person we're not even in person now Someone we've ever never sp- even met <laughs> <laughs> we, we've we've met through uh a, a group with the guys over at give that some thought to not have meredith todd with me this is the long-suffering wife of host of give it some thought addison todd <laughs> how are you doing meredith
1: i'm doing wonderful it's finally great to really actually meet you and yeah. get to have a conversation sorry yeah. we let off with the sulfur no, that's a, that's a great, that's a great intro us.
0: to the show is, you know, I mean, you know, 12 quotes in it already. It's, fine. <laughs> it's just burping up sulfur first thing tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, I don't know. You, you just, what you just flattered me by saying that my episode with the guys was the first one you listened to in a long time. I figured yeah. you were an avid listener. I hadn't, I had no idea. Well,
1: you know, we go through phases <laughs> in life and that's just, Sometimes you just have to step back and say, you know, time for a little break. And then you come back and it's, it really <laughs> it's affected greatly by my running schedule because I don't really listen to the show with the kids around. So well, when it's obviously. warm enough for me to like be out running and having my own time, then I do a lot of listening to podcasts, yours included. Now I've well, you. I was listening to yours when that. I went running today, <laughs> listen to you and the boys chatting it up. So
0: yeah, I, uh, I had the, uh, oh,
1: Hey babe, there's a child up here.
0: <laughs> We've got an escapee.
1: <laughs> good night. <laughs> Please don't cry. Say good night. Good night. I love you. Good night, and you So you've seen all parts of my life now.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're giving me that's even even better birth control for me. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know,
1: if that's something you're considering, probably don't hang out with my kids because they yeah. are the cutest, most wonderful children in the whole world, and they'll make you believe that you should have children. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, my gosh, why did you trick me with those horribly cute children? <laughs> and I'll just say, you know, it comes from the stock. When there's two amazing people like me and Addison, you get cute kids.
0: It's, it, I I agree. Totally. Y- y'all y'all make some great <laughs> kids, but I could not imagine, you know, the, the things that your husband are putting into that child's mind or children's mind, because it's, it's, it's we are very open.
1: proactive parents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Addison's Addison. I, what I shouldn't say he's a great guy from what I know of him. He is, he's a great guy. He may be yeah. a total jerk at home. I have no idea. You know, I, I can't make <laughs> really that call. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's always been nice to me from the, uh, the first time I messaged them to saying hey, really enjoy the show, just wanted to say hi. You know, he's always he's he's never ignored a message from me. You know, from the very first time he's always had a open dialogue with me, even when he didn't know who the hell I was. Um, Weirdly, I think you're probably like one of his best friends now. Is that telling you anything, oh
1: no, i a hundred percent believe it because like. He talks about you around here as much as he talks about his co host now. Like, uh, if it's not a conversation about Matt, it's a conversation about Hango. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. And Chris. Yeah, well, you can't deny Chris and those damn pants. Right. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we've known Chris a really long time. Right. So,
0: well, no. I, I'm, no, I'm sure uh, Tinker's tired of me talking about, you know, <laughs> do to sit me today. Like, Look at this shit. You know, and she's like, you know, <laughs> because, I mean, I only get to see certain friends now because of my work schedule,
1: right?
0: You know, and so Oh, I of,
1: thought you were going to say because of COVID.
0: <laughs> oh no, I mean, because I mean, we. I still see friends and stuff like that all the you know, from time to time, uh, but like uh, Jut and Harpoon, it's kind of become like our new every other Monday night thing is is doing doing the podcast. Um, I got another friend of mine that's going to be on with us this week, kind of part of our circle. He's going to join us. We'll have you know four of us on the next show. Um, nice. but you know, summer I see, I see not really friends, people I, I know in the motorcycle community that they come out of hibernation for the summer, spring and summer. <laughs> and then once the first once it starts getting below like 50, they kind of go back into hibernation because you can't ride your motorcycle yeah. unless you want to freeze to death. Um,
1: that's me with running. If it's over 40, I'm out. If it's under 40, no chance. <laughs> that's, no way.
0: That's, uh, you know, Tinker be like, you know, it's it's getting warm. Are you are you, are you gonna ride? And I'm like, it's only sixty five. And when you hit up, when you get about fifty five miles an hour on a motorcycle, it feels like it's forty. And so, no, I'm not gonna go ride yet. Once it gets about seventy, where it feels like, when it gets about 70, 75 degrees, it feels sixty at highway speed. I can handle that, you know. But anything less than that, you're gonna you're gonna freeze on a long ride, especially your hands. They get cramped up from being cold and whatnot. No, but I kind
1: of like pull off from Frozen. You have, have your own like wind chill.
0: I don't watch Disney, so.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I, don't, no. I don't
0: have kids, so I mean, why would I watch <laughs> anything on Disney? Um, I, I sure don't watch. Well, I guess I watched like um, the Marvel stuff when it came out, just because why not? You know, um, I'm not really. I get
1: into arguments with my high school boys all the time because i haven't seen all the marvel things i don't love all the marvel things like it was cool when i first started watching it but then there was just so many and so much to keep up with and i have kids and a life like i can't keep up with marvel and i'm more of a dc girl anyway you know superman all the way and batman and Same. and so Marvel's just never really been my cup of tea but it gets me into so many fights it's so bad
0: <laughs> well let's let's start uh From the beginning, were you raised in St. Charles in that area or were you from somewhere else?
1: Um, I was not. I'm from about an hour, hour and a half from here. Um, My family was a pastor's family. So my dad had started a church out where we were from and just kind of grew up out in the woods, in the boonies a little bit.
0: Hell yeah. Um, My people.
1: But having been from the boonies, I was still less sheltered than like Addison and the group that he grew up with. 'Cause I went to a private school, a couple of different private schools. I played, you know, all kinds of sports during the summers and stuff. So I had a fairly normal life for being a pastor's kid and shocking, I know, but I didn't even have to like wear skirts. Like we were a pastors family that like we wore pants and shorts and everything was
0: cool. Yeah, so you were living a kid's life.
1: Yeah, I just tried to be normal. Right. I'm sure that I wasn't. but you know. <laughs> well,
0: well, no one ever is. Even when you think that right. you're normal, <laughs> you are not normal at all.
1: But I was, like, captain of my volleyball team, all-star, like, the girl that dated the basketball player. Like, I was definitely that girl growing up, the tall, skinny blonde that just, that
0: kind you were, of normal. You were, you were active. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you were. Yeah. You didn't grow up all angsty and stuff I mean, you were, you seem like you're a person and and, you know, from the get go of, of semi talking to you in the chat room, you know, you've always been uh, very open and, and you're not afraid to get into a conversation. You know, you don't first
1: child syndrome.
0: I'm a middle child. So I don't know what that means.
1: Well, in this household, we have a pair of first children married to each other. So, there's a lot of conversation that happens around here and yeah. we're both very open with our opinions and it's a good time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, my wife is, is the oldest of two and I'm the middle of three. So I don't know what any of that means, if it means anything at all. Um, so you went to like a, you, went to, you said you went to like a private school then mm-hmm. never went to public school at all or anything. Never, no. Did you go to college? I did. You did. I I remember y'all talking about it in the chat room, right?
1: Yeah. So that's how I landed in St. Charles originally. Um, I went to a university there. Um, I didn't meet Addison there specifically, but I did meet him through having gone to school there, and that's also how we met several of the people in the chat room and that kind of stuff. And and then. As we kind of got to know each other, we found out that like our circles had been intertwined our entire lives, but we never actually met. And that was probably for the best because I, as I told him a bunch of times, I think if we met prior to when we did, we would never have spoken to each other ever (laughs) again. We would have hated each other. I'm
0: a hundred percent (laughs) certain. No, no, I mean, you never know. Um... No, but
1: I do. I do. (laughs) I think because I personally had such a stigma against homeschoolers
0: Uh, and
1: I was very athletic and did sports all the time and all that kind of stuff, which was kind of the opposite of who he was and how he grew up. He was very much into like the politics and, and I, I don't know, like I went to my first like rally with him way after high school and it was something that him and his friends had just, done their entire lives and it was just something that never interested me Um, until obviously later when being married to Addison I'm very heavily I understand a lot of politics now right. <laughs> well, but I, I mean it's funny because I was actually the libertarian of the two of us
0: I want to get into that go ahead
1: <laughs> yes so there's, there's a lot of that there um, and it's funny because for the first let's see we were Dating through like two different elections, and I have always voted Libertarian. Like I did my research, I voted how I really believed. Blah blah blah, and I never really felt tied to any party. And I think that he he grew up doing a lot of politics and really being active, so he felt much more tied to a party affiliation yeah. when he was younger. Edison and we kind off, of like well, walked Edison out of off, that.
0: Addison uh, gives off a lot of young Republican vibes. Am I right? Well, you should know him when he was an actual young Republican. <laughs> so he was.
1: <laughs> there, there was a point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah he, I, I kind of, I kind of get you. It. Can
1: blame me for who he is now? No, like, I, one hundred percent. I want to thank you for defense. who he is now. Well, but I, you know, it's fine. I pulled him out of all of the darkness, and I was like, "Listen, man, come on, get it
0: together." <laughs> yeah, but he did
1: that for me in many, many other ways. So you know, it worked out.
0: Well, I mean, so you didn't really grow up in a, did you grow up in a libertarian household or was it something that you kind of stumbled upon yourself?
1: I did not. Um, My parents, again, it wasn't a really heavy political household because at that point there really wasn't that kind of household. Like you just voted and that was just what you did. And it was okay. Like there wasn't so much division. There wasn't so much fighting and arguments about it all the time. So now to say like, I grew up in a Republican household feels like a much heavier statement than it really was. Right. It was really just a household that valued personal liberty and personal freedom and fiscal responsibility and a lot of things that are more libertarian now than Republican. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was a really easy transition because at that point it was like, the bushes and Mitt Romney's of the world that I was having to choose between. And I was like, this doesn't feel like what I've been told or how I've grown up or whatever. And you know, again, it comes from that you get attached to a political party cause you think you're supposed to vote this way. And then you get blinded by the, the actual issues. You don't mm. really see them. Um, and I'm not one that in good grief, I'm going to get in so much trouble if my mom and dad ever hear this, but I'm not one that votes abortion.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because you're not a single issue voter,
1: I, I'm not a single issue voter. I also don't vote, um, you know, the death penalty or anything like that because I really feel that it's more of an overall picture and that the government shouldn't have a say in things like what I'm allowed to do. The government should be smaller than it is and the government should have oversight in certain ways, but it shouldn't be able to tell me whether or not I can have a medical procedure, right. You know, and so that also lands me on the other side, um, you know, of transgender rights. Mm. Like, I'm not obviously going to ever be a person that's considering that for myself, but I'm also not someone that thinks that you should be able to tell someone who believes that they're transgender that they can't
0: Absolutely. get the surgeries
1: that they feel that they need to. Right. And so I ride the line of a lot of interesting conversations
0: no, <laughs> with I, people because, because I, it's just I, like, I get the same thing. I mean, you... Um, you know, I can talk to, I can speak to a um, conservative friend of mine and they think I'm some, you know, some dope smoking hippie because I think it's okay <laughs> that you have a right to decide what you can and can't put in your body, whether it be any kind of drug or alcohol or what you do to your body. I mean, I'm I'm covered up in tattoos, you know, because I made that choice that it's something that I wanted to do. Right. Uh, but then... Uh, talk to my liberal friends, and they think I'm some crazy Yosemite Sam gun wielding, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and a capitalist pig, you know, because I believe that if you work hard and you make you you're, you're physically conservative, quote unquote, with your money, then it's not the government's right to come and take. Twenty five percent of that to do what they want to with yeah. It. Yeah. And, and so I kind of my my liberal friends don't know how to take me. My conservative friends don't <laughs> know how to take me because you know I live in a, in a pretty red area, but yeah. you know most of my friends, if you if you as you've heard that I've had on my show, a lot of them lean a lot more left. Um, my wife leans more left, you know, and that's okay. You know, I can yeah. tell them they're wrong, and that's okay. You know, which I would never tell them they're wrong because it's just their opinion.
1: But, and also, one of them's your wife, so you should
0: probably not do that. <laughs> Well, she just rolls her <laughs> eyes and goes on with her life. Um, oh, sounds like my kind of woman. Yeah, that's that's her. Um, you know, but everything nowadays gets so politicized. Yeah. Every they politicized snow down here last week. We got like our one snow every 10 years. That became a political issue. Um, uh, I found that when I recorded with the ladies last night, they brought up the whole Mr. Potato Head, Miss Potato Head thing. Have you heard about that? I did slightly. Yeah, I had no clue what was going on. I was like, what, what is, what does that fucking matter at all? It doesn't. It's just a talking point to cause division. (laughs) Exactly. Cause you know what? When I was a kid, if they gave me a potato head, with all the pieces together, yeah, I'd probably stick the mustache and the long hair on it just as a goof. Who cares? It's not gonna make the kids more adaptable to transgender people. Who and, and even if they do. You also would have put his feet on his head at one point. Like
1: <laughs> it's a toy. Yeah, I mean It's about letting your kids be creative and create something and that when we limit those kinds of things to like specific ideas and like you have to be nonconform like no, your kids are supposed to be creative. Give them the opportunity to
0: sort stuff out for themselves. Let a kid play. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, I remember we used to, you know, eat dirt and shoot BB guns at each other and, <laughs> and everything else. You know, we didn't grow up. We didn't grow up in a nerfed household. You know, yeah. it was okay for, I mean, I'm covered in, in scars and, and, and burns and everything else because, you know, We might've lit something on fire. We shouldn't have lit on fire. And I got burnt and I (laughs) have that scar today for, you know, I've got a big scar on the palm of my middle finger right there from mishandling a knife when I was seven years old, you know, and that sticks with me (laughs) and I'm still alive. I'm, I'm 40 years old and I'm still alive. Um, coaching little league football. I had so many parents who were afraid to let their kids get hit. That's Mm -hmm. the actual game we were playing was hitting each other. And I had parents who were afraid of it. I'm like, they're wearing pads, state of the art pads. You know, these weren't like leather helmets or anything, you know. And so I don't know. um, I don't have kids. I remember being a kid very fondly, you know, because our mom cut us loose. I mean, the summer, seven o'clock, get outside. I'll see you when the sun comes down. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you grew up, you said you grew up in the boondocks. So you kind of know did. you kind of know that life.
1: Yep, I spent more days outside going way further than my parents gave me permission to and climbing over things I shouldn't have and jumping <laughs> off stuff and trying to kill myself over and over and that's okay. Now, I can't say that I'm as relaxed as a mom as I probably should be <laughs> because well, like today I went outside and my daughter was standing in a tree and I was like, "Oh my god, get down, please." You know. <laughs> But, but and I'm very much like don't go where mom can't see you. But my kids are also really young, you know. Kids and, are
0: also living in a more a more urban setting too, you know. And, a little bit more, yeah. For and sure. and you know, I don't remember growing up having you know Ray down the street who might snatch up your kid and take them. You know, it's I don't know if it's I, more, I don't know if it's normal. I don't know if that is more prevalent nowadays or if it's re- just reported on more. You
1: know, I, so I actually got a criminal justice degree in college and I think it's a mixture of the two because I do think that our society is headed more toward that direction. There's, it feels like there's more anger toward it, but then there's also more acceptance of it. You know, people trying to, you know, say that pedophilia is a sickness and, you know, not hold people responsible for those kind of things. So I feel like it's a little bit more lax in some ways. But I also think that parents don't care as much either. Mm. But then you have the helicopter parents that do. So it's a really weird mix of why we've landed here. Um, but I do think that a lot of it is the fact that it's just reported more and that we're a lot more connected to everything outside of our own communities. Right. Like growing up it wouldn't we wouldn't have known if somebody outside of Missouri had had a kid kidnapped unless it was, you know, the only one I can even think of is like the Jean Renee uh whatever her name was. The yeah, Ramsey. Ramsey. Right. Like, that's the only one that I can, like, particularly remember growing up. And, but that was because it was national and crazy and just for so long in the headlines for everyone. And, you know, she was so beautiful and, you know, all those things that made it headline worthy. Whereas with the 24-hour news cycle that we have now, like, they're looking for headline worthy stuff every 30 seconds. And it doesn't matter where it comes from or what's happening in reality displayed as the biggest, most horrific event that's ever happened, you know, and everybody has to know about it right this minute, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, with my job, you know, i on the road all night long and everything. And when you go through like major cities or if you're close to a major city on the interstate, they have, where y'all have them there in, in, in St. St. Louis, the big electrical signs that are over the, over the road. Yeah. Is it click it or ticket or, you know,
1: Whatever stupid thing they've got on right.
0: it right now. Well, every single I would say I don't say every, every single night. I'm gonna say five out of the seven nights I work, it's an amber alert, hmm. and I, I think the amber alert thing, which is a great, it's it's a great policy, a great thing to have, just like silver alert or anything else. Um, it's it's made child abduction more pre more oh say prevalent visible, I guess to yeah. the everyday person. I mean, they send the damn things to your phone if you don't have it turned off, yep. you know. Um, so you teach voice and theater now?
1: Yes, I'm a music director slash conductor, the person with the baton waving my wand around all the time.
0: Right. And then a voice teacher, yeah. Right, so you can you teach me how to sing or am I a lost cause? Um,
1: I don't know. I haven't heard yet, but I <laughs> you really don't, don't believe in lost to. causes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you found one. Well, I will say that I at the school that I'm at now, there have been at least two that I know people had written off as lost causes that are no longer lost causes and are doing quite well. So, you know, there's a difference between being tone deaf and just being untrained, and it takes time, especially the older you are, to get the skills and be able to train your ear to do things. But I don't really believe in most lost causes. What what, and as a matter of fact, I like to take them on because they're very challenging and I feel accomplished when I right. have helped someone to find their confidence and grow
0: in it. What piqued your interest in theater? Was it something that your parents were into or was it something you kind of fell in on your own?
1: So my family was basically the Von Trapp family singers <laughs> from Sound of Music growing up. Okay. Um, our whole family is musical. Everyone sings from grandparents on down aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone. Um, so it was kind of just a staple of our life. Right. We all sang in church. My dad, you know, music directed. My mom plays the piano. It was just a thing. Um, and for me, it really stuck harder than I think for some of my other siblings. My mm-hmm. sister is a, um, she's a very gifted singer. She's wonderful. um, and, but I'm the one that really dug into the nitty gritty of like what music is. So when I was growing up, I was the one that was playing every instrument I could get my hands on and, you know, learning chord progressions and teaching myself how to play all the songs so that I could accompany my family. And then we started traveling and my dad became an evangelist. And so it was just all of those things piled into one. And then I went to college um, and was getting a criminal justice degree because I had every intention of going to school to be a lawyer. And, and doing all of that. Um, but as I journeyed down the path to being a lawyer and got an internship and started actually working in the field, um, it was along long, about the same time that I met Addison and I started to kind of figure out my viewpoints as my own adult person and not part of a family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that it really wasn't a good fit for me if I wanted to become the person that I wanted to become. Right. Because to be in that field, it sounds so cliche to say, but even the good guys are bad guys. You're constantly yeah. having to manipulate people and having to do those kind of things. And I worked for the good guys. And even being in that environment and just doing it day in and day out, it I discovered very quickly that it was not the right place for me. Um, now, through all of that, I had still been doing music all through college. I was taking conducting classes and choir and choral music and writing all the things and doing all of that. Um, So it was a really easy transition, but I changed, I added a music degree my senior year of college and finished out what things I had left to be able to graduate with that degree. Um, And then, you know, we always had listened to musicals growing up, but I had never done anything with theater besides a couple of operas in college. And then after college, I Got asked to try my first musical, and I was like, "Sure, I love conducting. That'll be fun." And then that was the end of it for me because it very much was just
0: like, "Oh, this is
1: this is it. Okay, I love this. This
0: is great." <laughs> I found my shoes; <laughs> they fit just right.
1: Yep, exactly. And and then it kind of transitioned, and now being a teacher because I also really do love teaching and helping people around me. Just being a teacher and helping people with their voices and learning and doing all of that is just really fulfilling for me. And, but also challenging mentally in every way possible right. because every person is different and every person has different issues that you're dealing with. And so I have a new challenge every single day.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, my, my mother-in-law was a teacher. Uh, she, mm-hmm. she taught special education for 40 years until she retired. So a few years back. And I thought for a hot second about, 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 being a teacher. Um, I'm, I really, really enjoy like American history. Um, the problem is all American history teachers are coaches. I shouldn't say all yeah. 95% of American history teachers are coaches and I had no desire to coach. And it seems like when you take a job coaching, they're like, okay, great. You're going to be teaching American history. Or driver's ed, you know, it's one of the two, um, <laughs> PE, right. Um, I know I, I thought that I would enjoy teaching. Uh, I could talk about history all day, you know, I get to help, help some kids. Um, cause I was really lucky. I had the vast majority of my teachers were super supportive. Um, mm-hmm. I had one teacher, which I hate math, still hate math, anything other than just like basic, well us statistics because that goes into gambling and ratios and stuff i I can handle that um I hated algebra, and it wasn't so much that I hated it it was just that I was bad at it and I hated doing it um but I had a teacher uh my ninth and tenth grade years I took pre algebra ninth grade, took algebra tenth grade and and she knew I struggled i mean she she saw that i I was not gifted in mathematics in the least. And I remember my tenth grade year, we took our first test in algebra. And she said, if you fail this test, I told the whole class, if you fail this test, I'm calling your parents. Not just let them know that that you're you're struggling early on. This was on a Thursday. I remember that. Because me and mom were watching Seinfeld. So that should tell you what it was. <laughs> this was like in 90, <laughs> this was in '97. Um, and I'm sitting there or watching TV, phone rings, and I'm right next to it. Hello. Is all my mom by name. I said sure. And mom's whole rule rolling up was: if somebody asked for me, ask who's speaking, so I know who I'm talking to when you hand me the phone, you know. And so uh, I said sure. Who's speaking? There's like a three second beat. Miss Smith. All right. So, <laughs> mom like. It's Miss Smith. Obviously, I failed the algebra test today. When she starts back, like, <laughs> let me have it, you know. And so they she goes in the other room, talks, she comes back and she says, Miss Smith said, Um, if you're willing to get up early, which I always went to school early anyway, because I have a terrible fear of being late. Still do to this day. I hate hmm. I, I hate people who are late. I hate being late. I want to be early, if not right on time. And so she said it if you'll come in early since you're already there anyway, she'll work with you in the morning. And so Friday morning I got up and I got to school about 30 minutes early and went to miss Smith's class. And she sat there and she went over homework with me. I did that every day for two months until I saw, okay, I've kind of got what's going on now. Having teachers like that make all the difference that Mm -hmm. they're they're not just throwing you to the wolves, you know, like Cause then my 11th grade year, I had a geometry teacher. He, he, he had been a college professor. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> it was sink or swim. And I, I passed that, that class by the skin of my teeth. I mean, I don't, I, I think I begged, I, I pled, I did everything I could just to get out of that class. Cause I didn't want to take any kind of math class my senior year. I want to be done with it. <laughs> and so, uh having a teacher who's willing to put in the time, even when they're technically quote unquote off the clock, you know, it's not eight o'clock, but they're still there and they're willing to help out. That makes a ton of difference in a child. And I'm sure there's teachers today that still do that. You know, I'm sure that you have students yourself who know they can text you or call you and ask you about something and you're willing to to walk through it with it. Teachers like that. It sounds cliche. They change lives. They make kids yeah. you know, understand something and let them know they're not alone. Um, and I know that I probably wouldn't have the patience to do that for, with a kid because <laughs> I <that> would be <laughs> like, how do you know, understand this? Um, so, yet yeah, people who teach you, all the teachers out there, if any of you are listening, so, I'm sorry for my language. Um, yeah. <laughs> so apologize. Thank you all for, for putting in the extra time. It makes a world of difference for kids.
1: Um, It really does. And I mean, for me, even in high school, I had those teachers too, that just, they challenge you, but when they challenge you, you know, it's because they care about you and you can always tell, you can tell when they are genuinely there for you and wanting you to be successful and not for you to just make them look like they've done a good job. Right. You know, and, and even in the college for me, especially that year that I transitioned and added a, a degree as a senior, I had so many teachers that were going out of their way to, you know, make sure that I got the class done that I needed to do or doing self studies with me, you know, just to make sure that I could get out without adding another three years to my life. (laughs) But, you know, yeah, I am the same. Like I wouldn't be who I am today without the teachers that affected my life for sure.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, and I say that I, I think I would have been liked to been a teacher, but after talking to my mother in law and and seeing what she had to do, like her last, I don't know, probably ten years uh, of her of her career, you know, it would I'd have pulled my hair out because <laughs> they started bringing it outside consultants to grade teachers. Um. So it was like the teachers were being, you know. I don't know how to put it. The teachers were being graded on what the kids could do, mm-hmm. which isn't always fair because yeah. if the kids aren't getting reinforcement at home, it doesn't matter how much the teacher does, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and it's hard to blame the kids because the teacher's doing all she can or the teacher may not be doing all she can and the kids not getting the reinforcement at home. It's really a hard way to judge uh, teachers, but I will I think teachers are vastly underpaid uh, for what they do. Um,
1: I agree. And, and another hard thing that goes with it is that not every kid is intended to learn in that kind of setting either. Like Mm. they, every kid has their own struggles and their own way that they understand the world and they own way, their own way that they are able to learn. Like even with our two kids, like my son is very like hands on Mm doesn't want to do a workbook. If you put a workbook in front of him, he is out. He is not <laughs> going to sit there and work with you. But if you get on the floor with him and you're doing something or building something like that kid can take apart any electronics faster than I could even think about. Right. And, but our daughter's the opposite. She is like, give me all the workbooks and I want every marker and every color. And I'm going to trace every single letter that I possibly can, you know, and I, and I just think, that's honestly one of the big reasons that we homeschool is because you know both of our kids are so different and putting them in the same room trying to learn the same thing at the same time in the exact same way would not work for them right it's just it's too complicated they're so individualistic (laughs) and even for me as a homeschooling parent like I have to basically have like two parts of my brain going all the time. One that communicates with my son and one that communicates with my daughter. Well, you're having two different,
0: you're you're doing two different lesson plans. Basically. In in two different, in two different total ways, you know, uh, when I had Messa on, you know, that's what I talked to her about. Um, uh, I went to a tech school. I didn't go to a traditional four-year college, went to a tech school. So for the first two hours of the day, it was theory. It was classroom learning. Well, the last six hours of the day was all practical work. It was hands-on stuff, yeah. and and so and I learned more. In, in in high school, I had a biology teacher who lectured, and you took notes. I aced his class. I learned so much doing biology, and advanced biology stuff like that from him, just because because he lectured and drew stuff out visually where I could see it. If
1: mm-hmm. you can show
0: me something visually. Man, I, I'll do it all day long, but when you're trying to explain something to me, you can forget that. I don't know if I don't have a big imagination or what it is, but um, I never was mechanical. It's just
1: different processing. You're just not an auditory learner. And that's okay.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know,
1: but we, we put our, these kids all in the same box, and we think that they're supposed to just be able to do it this way. And I know that most teachers are trained how to do things in multiple different ways now because it's starting to get into the public mindset of, like, Hey, guess what? Every kid learns differently. You've got to try different angles, you know. But I still think that it's just going to take a while for that to really take an effect on the public school system as a whole.
0: Well, I don't think Cause it, it was hard enough even for my tiny
1: little private school to get it right. You know, we still were doing the same thing all the time and people were struggling and falling behind, and you had to find some specific way to help them understand the same concept that other people did.
0: But I think you hit it. I don't think. I don't think public schools can can make a custom lesson plan for every child.
1: I, no, I know it's they, a factory
0: for kids. They, they, it's an education factory, right? They, um, uh, my mother-in-law apparently they had they're supposed to write out individual action plans for each kid. I'm like, but how do you implement forty action plans per class? for each kid when you're trying to teach a class of 40 kids. you know. I- well, and I'm sorry, but
1: I teach a class of 30 musical theater students and we're all working on the same show all the time. Right. And there's, you can't pay attention to 30 separate kids. You just can't like you can do groups, you can figure it out, but there's no way that it's possible for you to have an individual relationship and conversation with every single one of those kids in the way that they need to every day when you have classrooms that are that large.
0: Right. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, I'm, we're not having kids. So it's kind of a, a moot point to me, you know, but I, have had, you know, I've got nephews, I've got a niece, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, my oldest nephew is in a master's program right now in mass communication. Um, Incredibly, incredibly gifted kid. um, Great voice. And he, it, it was like everything just. He would tell you otherwise, but it, like everything was naturally to him. Everything was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I can do it, no problem, you know. And then you see some kids that just struggle for every single, every single step of their education is it, is so hard for them, and um, you know, you really don't know if it's if it's a disconnect for the kid, if it's a family thing, if it's the education they were given. It's 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 hard to say.
1: Well, and I think a big part of that goes back to just the breakdown in our communities, but not so much breakdown as it is we're too large. You know, going back to what we were talking about with the Amber Alerts and stuff, like we're so connected to the entire planet all the time. And Edison and I very much agree on this. Like, I don't think humans were intended to be connected to so many people all the time. Yeah. And I think that the larger the schools get and the more like universities that the high schools and elementary schools even become the more damage it's doing to our children because they don't get to have those relationships. So not only are they away from their family and disconnected from their parents for the eight to 12 hours a day that those parents are working and the children are in school. On top of that, they're shuffled around between teachers that, try as hard as they might to really care about those children, they don't have the time or resources to really be able to connect to those kids. And that's one of the reasons that I'm really blessed to be able to be an arts teacher instead of something else, because the core slash backbone of my job is to connect and to teach the kids to connect to each other and to connect their communities and connect around them, you know, because, the arts really do bring us together and doing musical theater and those kind of things together. It's such a personal experience. Like I can't tell you the number of kids that just are having life trouble and break down into tears within the first 10 minutes of starting their voice lesson with me because I was able to sit down and ask them how their week was going and they knew that it was a safe place. And they trust me and they said it and then it all just comes pouring out of them because no one has had the time to sit down and ask them what's really going on with them, right. you know, and male, female, all of them, they, they need someone that can reach in and really grab a hold of their lives and say, Oh, what's really going on with you? Like, are you really okay? And I think that that's a big problem.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we, like I told Addison when he was on, I was kind of an anomaly of a high school. It was a public mm-hmm. school, but it was, it was like just, it was, it was the perfect size. It wasn't too big. Yeah. wasn't too small. And, you know, we had teachers who had the time to say, Hey, how's things going? You know, I found out from my mother-in-law, Oh, we know what every kid, what relationships going on, what's doing this, what's doing that, all that kind of stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, for kids to have somebody to say, hey, how are you doing? It it makes a huge, a, it's, it's a huge thing for them to actually took, take time and check on them to make sure they're okay. Um, I, had yep. a, I had a couple questions um, that were given by anonymous listeners. Oh, no, listeners. are there going
1: to be women <laughs> ladies
0: night questions? No, 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 no. These, these came from anonymous listeners. Um, I said I was going to have you on. Um, Addison, no! Would you stop? Would you stop with that?
1: (laughs) You know I'm right. (laughs) Uh,
0: The first question was, "Who do you think you are?" Of course, it was. (laughs) Addison. The the, the funny thing is, I I asked the ladies at the the same thing. The first two questions I asked him is, "Who do you think you are?" and "What gives you the right?" Um, what was your? What, what has been your biggest regret in life? Also, Addison.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! No, definitely not Addison. <laughs> definitely not. He is one of the highlights for sure. <laughs> um, honestly, and this is <laughs> going to sound very strange out of context because most people on the planet don't know this story. Cause most people on the planet don't know me. So that's fine. Um, but it's, I think that early on in my relationship with Addison, I would have, I wish that I would have fought the battle for myself, for myself sooner with my parents, um, about what my beliefs really were because looking back on it now, I understand that some of the volatility in their relationship um, came from the fact that they didn't really know who I was or what I was doing. Um, I hid a lot of things from them that I shouldn't have, and it would have made our relationship and us trying to start our family less tumultuous if I had just been honest about who I was and what my goals in life were, um, because I think that they would have blamed less of the situation on him, which would have helped their relationship.
0: Let's pause with right there for a second. In a
1: weird, open-ended, giant context way, that is the answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to disconnect and then reconnect so we get rid of this lag because it's driving me up okay. the friggin' wall. So hang tight one second. <laughs> All right, so piggybacking off what you just said about your your beliefs, um, mm-hmm. how have they changed from when you were I'm guessing you grew up in a pre-Protestant family then. In some some former Protestant uh, denomination,
1: yeah, my dad was in the Independent Baptist.
0: Evangelist. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're yeah, I, I, um, I went to an Independent Baptist Seminary. Nice. So, so, so yeah, I, I I feel your pain on that. Then, um, it's not pain. Yeah, it's but. pain. It's, it's pain. Um, so how how has your beliefs changed from? from then to or how how did your beliefs change from how you grew up to when you and Addison got together or in college or whenever it changed what what was the was there a a set off point or was it just a slow roll of what of what happened
1: there wasn't really a set off or even like a I didn't jump ship or anything um you know, I, I went to a Baptist private school. I went to a Baptist church. My dad was a Baptist pastor, like my whole family, everybody, you know, and, but we were never the crazy conservative, right. like we didn't wear the skirts. We didn't do any of that. Like I didn't have a bun every day of my life. Wait like a I was a-
0: you, you didn't, you didn't wear skirts. How could you be considered independent Baptist if you had on pants? Because from what I was told, independent, Baptist my dad was pants. a liberal, my dad was a liberal, <laughs> I'm not even kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah. see, our family was ostracized and judged by so many oh, yeah. of our yeah. own communities because we were outside the line on those kind of things. But it was that background that really taught me how to look at the scripture and, like, see what's actually there rather than just believing what I'm told to believe. Right. Again, same with the political beliefs. Like, you know, you have to actually look at what's there and read it for yourself and make your own decision. Um, and I think in teaching me that my parents got things that they didn't bargain for. So I always looked at all of the details of everything and I wasn't very vocal with when I disagreed about things or, you know, cause my dad and I had a fantastic relationship growing up. Like we would, drive in the car together and like ask questions and I, you know, we would talk about all kinds of stuff. And for me, I always felt like I was very open with the things that I was questioning and talking and researching and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it ever registered in his head that that's what was happening. Mm. He just made the assumption that I, after our conversations would just agree with him, you know, because not to be rude, but since all of you do this to us all the time, he mansplains me all the time. (laughs) And just assumed because he said it and defended his position that I would then agree with it. Go
0: along with it. Right.
1: Right. And so a big thing that was a difference that I didn't know was ever a difference. For example, um, when I left for college in my head, you leave for college at 18, you're an adult, you figure it out and you go. Like I never made the assumption that I would be returning to my home ever. Um, whereas at some point there was a conversation that happened a couple of summers later after I had not returned for a couple of summers and Christmas breaks and things and had, you know, actively been living other places or staying on campus or whatever. He was like well once you graduate you're moving back home because you still are under our authority Mm. and I was like no (laughs) and I when I graduated I wasn't married I wasn't doing any of that right but I never had the intention of coming back home and I never even knew that that was an An assumption that was being made. right um because to me like (laughs) you grow up you get a job you move out like that's that's what it was for me. And so when it came back that that was not the case, I was like, uh, well I'm out here and I'm 20 and I'm living. So that's probably not, you know, so I graduated and moved out and it was fine, you know, but it was those kind of things that I think it just never registered for them. (laughs) Maybe who they were creating or like the fact that I really was an independent thinker for myself. And so, My beliefs haven't changed so much as I've just been, you know, working out my own faith, working out what I really truly believe and see in the scripture for myself. And they don't line up with all the things that I grew up learning, but they also don't line up with a lot of people because, you know, it's my faith and my relationship with Christ. And so I have to be able to defend my own beliefs and I can't take what someone else has taken for their beliefs and taught me, I have to actually do it myself. I agree. And so I think that that was part of the process. You know, a big, another big one was the fact that like I don't use the King James Version Bible anymore. There was a long time in my life where I felt that that was extremely important. And, you know, I did the research and I did all the things. And then one day, I don't, I don't know if it was that God just kind of released me from it, but he was like, this is not a chain that I'm putting on you. This is not, this
0: is not me. Well, wouldn't you and, say like 90% of the chains, quote unquote chains, that we have on us, it, see, that's, that's my problem. You've heard my religion rants plenty of times through text. A few, uh, a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of, whether it be, as you put it, a chain, uh, my problem with most religions, my problem with most Denominations, even in, in Christian, in the Christian religion, in Christianity, um, they major on minors a whole lot. Legalism. yeah. That they like to get caught up in just, I'm sorry, but it's absolute bullshit they, yeah. they get caught up in stuff that doesn't, doesn't change anything except to make them feel all ooey gooey inside. And, and they it's m- not
1: even ooey gooey. It's feeling like you're better righteous. than the person next to you and that right. you're being more Christian and you're being more, righteous, you know, and that's exactly what Jesus called out all the religious leaders of his day for, you know, and I, and I think that's the important part is we're called to be countercultural as Christians. And when you are just following the lead of the people that are just like everyone else, like it's, that's not it, that's not it. And it can't be it because that's not who Jesus was.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I just I don't like. How can I put this, and be somewhat political about it?
1: You're not going to offend me.
0: No, I'm not I don't know about, about you. Your I'm worried <laughs> about, <laughs> yeah, I I know I know I can say any I can say just about anything to you, and you're going to say, "Well, that's just his opinion," because you're a smart libertarian woman, and you understand people can have different opinions and still be friends. Yeah, you, know, you don't let you don't let differences in politics or religion. Or if a woman should wear pants or a skirt, get in the way of, of being friends with it's like I said, I told Addison, you know, I have people on my show who are different political views, definitely different religious views. Yeah. And and we can still be friends because in the end, I love the I, I love these people I have in my life. Um yeah. I've cut people out of my life who couldn't let things go when I when I started Questioning my views, started changing my views. When it was like a deal breaker for him, I mean, it, it it breaks your heart.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, one of my best friends, like from high school, super religious guy. Um, I wouldn't even say religious. He he just has a, a he's very devout to his faith. And I mean, and he works he works for NASA for crying out loud. He works for, for the center of science. And he balances his religious beliefs with science, with his scientific proof he has in his life. And he sees no conflict in that. I mean if, if This he, is fantastic. Exactly. I mean he's he's able to, he's able to balance his passion for science along with his his love for for his God. You know, mm-hmm. and if, if he can do that every single day, man, why can't I get along with my neighbor who might have, vote, right. might have voted for some loon or, or who might have, who might be a, a QAnon person. You know, I mean, what is it? What does it matter? Your husband is blowing me up right now. Hang on a second. <laughs>
1: Come on, babe.
0: <laughs> Hang on a second. I, is I
1: got, sending I, you more questions?
0: No, he he is. He is sending me, uh, let me close Telegram right quick so it won't be going off on my computer. There we go. No, he's, it's just, it's Addison being Addison. What can you say? He's, uh, (laughs) we call it, uh, getting in the well down here. When you, uh, you you get into an altered state, Uh. whether whether it be with some kind of substance or, you know, killing a chicken or whatever, whatever might get you there. So I think Addison's in the well right now. No, I, um, he probably thinks it's hilarious that he's distracting you
1: right now, and I, he's going to listen to this later and be like, hey that was
0: neat." What you don't know is I'm going to edit all that out, so nobody will ever Perfect. know. See, <laughs> he, <laughs> he has no power here. He's, he's This is the Hango show. <laughs> um, no, I, I like you said. I think um, you find out who your real friends are and who your real family is. Your, I mean, your real not not blood family, but your real close knit family. Yep. Um, yep when your views change from theirs, because some people cannot get over that. It is a absolute deal breaker for them. And,
1: and thankfully for me, you know, my relationship with my family is much better than it used to be. mm. That was just a really tough time because they just weren't really on board with our relationship. But, you know, for me, I knew that he was the person that I was going to spend my life with and it didn't matter who was going to stand in my way. And that's just kind of how that went down. And I have no regrets attached to that. That's for sure. But I do sometimes wish that I had been a little bit more forthright with my feelings rather yeah. than thinking that my dad and my mom understood where I was coming from. Um, but I think that's a maturity thing too. You don't realize a lot of the time what you're doing and you think that you've got it all sorted out and you didn't, you know, and there is definitely ways you could have handled things differently.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing you listened to the episode that Addison was on my show.
1: Yes. A while ago. It was, like, right after, so okay. don't grill me on it.
0: <laughs> was, his, was his telling of of your your first meeting accurate, or is there anything you want to add to that, about the, the magical night at Denny's?
1: So, hilariously enough, after you did that episode, we went over to a friend of ours' house, the one of his friends that he's been joyously red pilling consistently. Um they they got brave and invited me to come over to dinner too and we brought the kids and everything. And um I actually retold the entire story and he was like, That's not how it went down at all and then I listened to your podcast and I was like, Oh, okay." Because. You know he didn't. He didn't have half the story, and my side of it was much more entertaining. Uh, let let's,
0: let's pull a Paul Harvey here and give us the rest of the story. What actually happened that night at Denny's? <laughs> so or was Denny's the, even involved? Were y'all like at a, at a Bob Evans or something involved. instead? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> there were pancakes, potentially some French toast. You know the story seemed like... No, um, but Denny's was very much the end of the night, like a lot like my journey to meeting Addison started much earlier than his journey to meeting me did. Um, and as he mentioned, like it, one of our friends was trying to date me mm-hmm. at that point, which I was not aware of or yeah, we'll just say not aware of
0: Are you interested or in? Really interested in. Right, gotcha.
1: Um, I'll fill the blanks up you know, for yeah, you. Go I, ahead. <laughs> thanks. He and I were friends. We worked together at school. Um, he was one of the master students in, that worked in the same department, kind of that I did. I helped out with some of their events and stuff, and we had chatted a bunch, but it wasn't anything on my end at all. Right. Um, which, if you ask Addison, that was every relationship I had with any males in college was that they were interested in me, and I had no idea at all, which is fine. <laughs> but you were about was your business, man. <laughs> I was just waiting. No. Um, so this is for sure not something that was like in my mind at all. There was no anything there. And it was the same time that I had just added an extra degree in my mm. senior year. So I was losing my mind. I was taking a million classes. Had I did that eight weeks into the semester. So I was already past the add drop date. So any changes that happened had to get overridden by the whole faculty. And every, it was a whole disaster. Right. So I spent probably three months, just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, taking extra classes, trying to catch up on projects, homework, doing all these things that I had tortured myself with. Um, And I had a night where I finally had nothing, no rehearsal, no class, no meetings, no nothing. And I literally told my roommate, I was like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to stare at the wall the entire night. (laughs) I'm not going to move. I'm going to just stare at the wall and do nothing. And as many stories go, I made the mistake of getting on Facebook. Now this was back like a year after Facebook even started. Right. So it wasn't the monster that it is now. It was you, very much like a connection thing. You had to have an
0: uh, EDU email address. Probably yes. Yeah. See, my, my and wife, you could only connect to people that had the same one. You had to be in mm, the same school. My, my wife graduated from... From a four year college. And so she was on Facebook like probably like three or four years before I could even get on there. I never I didn't have a, a military email address. I didn't I sure as hell didn't have an EDU address. And plus this was, you know, we'd already been I think we were already married. We got married in two thousand and seven. So I think we were we were already even married before she got on Facebook. So go ahead. Anyway, so anyway, you got on Facebook that night and what happened?
1: So I got on Facebook that night and eh, blah, please delete the fact that I almost just said his name. Holy smoke. Um,
0: <laughs> no, you saved it so well. I'm going to keep it in there. Go ahead. Oh, no. Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, but this
1: friend of ours popped up on my page and was like messaging me um, and we were chatting a little bit and he told me that he and a group of his friends were going to go see this musical at the university, which I obviously was super into musicals, and this is at a different school. And, and I was like, Oh, do I really want to go do something? But he was playing. I was like, That's
0: you what he was doing. He, he knew right, how to he set drew, that. But, he mm, broke
1: straight into my lane. Yep. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then he couched it in a whole bunch of us are going, which was a lie.
0: is <laughs> <laughs> my kind of guy. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Sure. Fine. Um, so he and his friend came and picked me up. We went to see this show. His friend ditches. There are no other friends. It's just the three of us. His friend pieces out. And then it's just the two of us. And I'm sitting there in the aisle at this theater going, "Mm -hmm. yep. Good job. I totally fell for that one. Slimey. it.
0: You're if, an idiot. Even me as, as dark and as evil as I am would not do something like that. Cause that's, that's just <laughs> dishonest.
1: And you know, it may not have been some maniacal plan. He might've had friends that were coming that, that bailed. No, no, I no. don't know.
0: As a dude, that was a setup. <laughs> that was something it I wouldn't. De- yeah, go ahead.
1: So then we go home. The night gets even more interesting. He, uh, he hits a deer on the <laughs> way back the university. 100%, 100%.
0: Oh man! Wow, real winner.
1: Yeah, uh, hits a deer. Thankfully, both of them are in the car at that point. You know, it's whatever. But yeah. So then, for some stupid reason, I still don't know why. I think it was God just being like, "Tonight, you're going to be a straight-up idiot, and it's going to be the best thing you've ever done." So they're like. Let's go down to Main Street, which is just like, you know, Main Street, St. Charles. You go walk in, it's old school stuff, blah, blah, blah. And it's like the place to be right. at my school. And I was like, mm, okay, great. So I said yes. And so we go walking down Main Street. It's a beautiful night, it's whatever, but it's all three of us. So I still am like, as long as it's all three of us, I'm cool. fine. Um, well, then we're walking and they start talking. Like he gets a phone call. I'm like, okay, whatever. But then as soon as he gets off the phone, he starts trashing, like trashing his, this roommate of his. He's totally arrogant. He's obsessed with Superman. He's (laughs) full of himself. He's a terrible guy. He talks too much. Just like all these things, just building up this horrible human. And then he says, he's coming down here to meet us. And I was like, why on God's earth would you like live with that person, first of all? And second of all, why would you invite, why him, did you invite him to come down here? <laughs> like, what? Because that, at that point in my brain, like, I know the dude's interested in me. He's already got one wingman. And now he's bringing on this other guy that he obviously doesn't like at all that he lives with. And I'm like, What's what is this loony world that we're in right now? So then this guy comes jaggering down the road, wearing a Superman shirt, looking every piece of what our friend has told us he is. And, and he comes up and he starts talking and he's talking about how his friends are in the hookah bar and how he just got off of work and blah, blah, blah. And me being who I was at that point, I was like, side eyeing the guy, just like, what is that? Why? So then we're all walking down Main Street together on this little adventure of love that we're having. And, the the two of the guys that I'm with originally go across the street and leave me on this side of the road with the roommate. And, and he talks the entire time, never stopped. just on and on. And I mean, he's fine. He's funny. Like I'm laughing, but I'm like, you like now I'm maybe this was the plan. I'm desperate. I'm like, why did you leave me with this stranger? Get back over here. I want to hang out with you. Please come back. <laughs> and so they, but we finally get to like cross the street and get back over with the group. And then after that, I black out. I can't remember what happened. So, so they take me back to my dorm. Um, my roommate's there. My sister is my suite mate at that point. My sister, shout out to her best friend in the whole world. Um, but I come upstairs, I sit down and I'm just like, I've got a hangover from this horrible thing that has just happened to me. And she comes bouncing in the room and she's like, I'm starving. And I was like, okay. It's like 1030 at night at this point. And she's like, I'm starving. I'm starving. We need to go get food. I was like, well, no. And I don't have a car. Like this is, you know, we lived in on campus that you didn't ever have to leave. Or if you did, you could walk anywhere you needed to go. And I lived, worked across the street. Like it wasn't any big deal. And she's just complaining. She's like, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. And I had turned down the guys on their, Invitation to go get food, and I was like, "Well, the guys I was just with want to get. They wanted to get food. Do you want to get food with them?" And she was like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" (laughs) So then I get back on Facebook and I message him, and I'm like, "Could you come get us? My sister's hungry. She wants. Let's let's do something." And he's like, "Okay, be there in a sec." So they come and they pick up. Me and my sister. Those guys so came in came into the
0: fucking lot on two wheels. They were just they were like, oh my god, <laughs> they want food. We've got another, we got another chance. Let's get this done.
1: And at this point, like Addison's not there. It's me and my sister and the other two guys that I started the evening with. Right. So it's the four of us, right? So we go to Denny's and then Addison, the roommate, comes in and he throws two tickets on the table. Speaking of tickets. Pissed Speeding tickets. Right. Because he had just been speeding. Right. And so this is where his part of the story comes in. So he gets speeding tickets. He sits down. He's belligerent and angry and just like
0: all the things, again, that his friend had said that he was. Now, wait a minute. He's you, you, very well. You said before that the first time you met him, he came in, slammed two speeding tickets down and went, fuck. <laughs> that was the first impression you had of Addison Todd. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, After having been told how terrible he was by his roommate. um. So we hang out that night and his friend stops talking. Mm. Just doesn't exist the rest of the night. Cause you know, Addison, he's, he's been the guy up. That's he it. <laughs> funny. And at that point he was like, suave, charming. Like you could tell he was a guy that got it and understood it. And like, he had us laughing. Like by the time the night was over, I was like, all right, this guy's all right. But you know, it was just, <laughs> It was just a thing. <laughs> it's fine. You don't need a microphone. No, Whatever. Not important. Forget that. Um But then we left that night and they took us back to the dorm and we're going inside and we're walking up the stairs in my dorm and my sister goes, You know you're gonna marry that Addison guy, right? And I was like, No, absolutely <laughs> not. He's not a chance. And here we are. Two children later, um, almost 10 years of marriage. <laughs> she was very right. Um, I don't know how she knew. I have no idea, but she nailed it. Well,
0: good, good for your profit of a sister. That's. Um, I'm going to have to get her, her contact information so I can pick <laughs> her brown. I'm going to start sending her some rooster's feet or something. Give her, give her some stuff to work up some spells for sure.
1: She it's, might be another witch that we have in our group. It's potentially.
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I said I would be. not put the I would not put the witch tag on your sister. I said it in the in the conversation I have I had with Addison. But I was like, no, she's more of a prophet than than a witch. Yeah. It, it seemed like it came to her more. You know. Um, it came out of her mouth. Yeah. She it, didn't try. It, it came um, much more organic. She didn't have to work anything up. It was just it was just there. Yeah. Um. Your husband is uh-huh. awful I hate him um,
1: I muted his chat before we started
0: this so. I know, turned my phone over so I, I can't see anything For now on it's, 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 he, he is doing commentary through text of the conversation you and I are having
1: of course he is <laughs>
0: he, he cannot help himself he has to be the center of attention <laughs> he, he has to be he has to be in a performance I, you know, he needs to learn that he has a show give that some thought check it out with Matt and Addison um, I always Which say, I've never been allowed on. Let's be clear. That's the whole reason I wanted you on here. So, so that I could <laughs> say, you know, the Hango show, while dark and evil, is also open to all races and, and, and sexes, religions. This is an open forum. There's no gate here. People can come and go as they please. There is no border, to, there's no, there's no barrier to entry here. You can just come and go. Um, <laughs> I'm not afraid to have a woman on my show. Um, I well, I shouldn't say that. the guys have had, have had, have had a woman on their show. They had, had Gene on. They did. Right. Yeah. I can't think of any, see, I, I can't remember. I mean, they're damn near 300 episodes now.
1: I think I, you've listened to more of them than I have. <laughs>
0: <true>. <laughs> well, when I, when I first found those guys, you know, I listened, like I listened to like, um, I found them right after it was like in, t- December of 2016. It was right after Trump got elected. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, And so I listened to like that episode that week and I was like, okay, let me go back. So I fell back like five episodes and listened up to that first, first episode I listened to. I was like, all right, these guys are funny and they're not totally batshit crazy. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning. So I went all the way back to the very first episode and listened listen through it. at that time, just like now I had a job where I could listen to podcasts all day long. Yeah. You know, so that like, that was like three or four months of, of listening for me, you know, and it's, it's really cool because even then I heard how much their views changed. Mm-hmm. Um, politically on, on religion. It went from Addison beeping every offensive thing to not editing at all just 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 let it fly you know and even from 2016 to now uh, they've changed a whole lot too Mm -hmm. and it's 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 really cool to have that record of history in your own life and i don't know i don't know if i'll change i'm sure i will change in some ways but even though I'm 40 and kind of set in my ways now, I'm sure that over if this if this stays together for any amount of time, which I hope it does, I, I think you'll be able to listen back, like, oh yeah, I did think that way back then, and you'll be able to look back and say that's why I believed that. But now things have changed.
1: But I think, I think that that's a core of being a human. It's very is that you change, right. and if you keep yourself open and you keep having conversations, then that's going to change. And I think that that's what's beautiful about the podcasting world is that. Yes, you have the record of it, but you also get to hear how your conversations and giving things thought changes your opinions and your views on everything.
0: Right. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? Anything you wanted to ask um, me? Well,
1: I, You know, there's so many things um, <laughs> because I feel like we don't know each other literally at all.
0: Yeah. We
1: only know each other through Addison or through the group tech. <laughs> Which has been interesting for me because I feel like not that you and I fall on opposite sides of things a lot because I don't think we do. But I think that your, especially like the religious conversations that we have in there, I think politically, I'm more of a liberal. But on a lot of like faith-based things, I tend to be a more conservative mm. um, in some of my beliefs. And I think that you fall on the other side of that a lot. Um, so I would ask you the same question that you asked me, which is what made you change? You came from the Baptist seminary background, all of these things. Like what was kind of that process for you? Where do you land now?
0: Um, that process was just really over time. You know, um, when you're, when you're raised in a church or when you're raised that um this deno- this denomination is the the quote unquote right one and the, all the other ones are apostates you know yeah um and you get to talk some you get to talk to some people who are from those denominations or are from those religions and you realize like i said you know they're they're not any different than me. They just have a different view on something we really can't confirm. Yeah. So why the hell are we fighting over it? And then when you when you see things happen in a church, and uh, you know those things are wrong, and because you because the person who were who was who were do, who was doing those things have stood in a pulpit and said those things are wrong. Yeah, And when it comes out that they're doing those very exact things and the church sticks up for him, for him instead of the victims. Yeah. You kind of get a feeling that everything you've been taught is just bullshit. Yeah. Um, that may sound crass. That may sound sacrilegious. It's where, it really doesn't though. But it's where it I doesn't stand.
1: Because that's, that is the church's fault and the church should not have done that, you know? And, and I think that's the difference is the situation specifically in my life where things like that have happened. I've seen it go both ways. And I've seen one where stuff was hidden and things were like locked up and kept from people. And then I saw after it came out that that blew up in their faces and caused like, and they lost basically everything that they had that they were trying to hide it because, of, you know, but then on the other hand, I've seen places that have handled that correctly and that really did put protections in place to try to fix situations and try to help the victims, quote unquote, of whatever was happening. So, you know, it, and I know that that doesn't help with your experience, but at the end of the day you know it goes back to what i said like your relationship is your relationship with christ and it has to come down to that and it doesn't matter what your church affiliation is or what you've seen or experienced it all comes down to what you believe and the people around you can affect that and i'm sorry that that happens
0: well i mean it's it's uh, I, I appreciate that i mean it's, it's nothing um that you, you did of course you know um, right you know, um <laughs> But you know, even in seminary, you saw things happen that um, weren't right. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I made I made a lifelong friend at seminary, man. When we when I came up to St. Charles, it was solely really to see him because I hadn't seen him since his wedding day in two thousand and one. We've talked, mm. but we hadn't spent time together. You know. And, um, I love him like he is my brother, you know, and, and, and that's something that we'll never, we'll never lose. Um, and some people say, well, you shouldn't let the failures of other people, uh, dictate your belief system. But when this person is being, has been held up as the gold standard, so to speak, of yeah. your beliefs and then you find out they did something wrong and then they're unapologetic for it and blame the victim. Well fuck that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I've got no time got no time for that. Um where I stand now, um like, like I got told Addison, I I really don't even know anymore. Yeah. You know, um I, I do believe in a creator. I, I'm I'm not agnostic. I, I do believe there is, there is a God that created the, the you know, created everything. Um, I don't want to get into gap theory and stuff like that with you about <laughs> when he created or how long it took, you know um, you know, but I, all the questions, <laughs> <laughs> Um you know, it's, it's something, I guess I've, I've, I've quoted it a million times, you know, I believe Paul was right. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear mm-hmm. and trembling. And it don't mean work it out in a week or a day or a year. It may take a couple decades, you know, and I think, I think that is okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and, it, and anybody who doesn't think that, I don't know what they're thinking because you change from day to day. How can you possibly think that your relationship with God today is going to be the same as it is tomorrow? You know, and I think that you just really have to do that. You have to do the work. You have to dig in, and you have to realize that you know your relationship with your wife is going to change over the decade.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: And you guys are going to grow closer and further away from each other, and you're going to harm each other, and things are going to happen. You know, and and I think that that plays into. Our relationships with God, like He understands who we are as human, fickle creatures, and He challenges us to do that. You know, and going back to what you said about people judging you for letting things that have happened like affect your faith, I don't really think that that's fair. Just because as Christians, we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ, and so everything that we do reflects back on that and affects the people around us negatively or positively. And I think to say that someone shouldn't let the acts of people around them affect them. It's kind of crazy because they're really just saying, well, if somebody does something to hurt you, it shouldn't affect your faith. But if someone said something to help you, that should build your faith in Christ. Well, you can't have it both ways. Like we affect each other as humans and that's just the way that that goes. You can't pretend otherwise.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. I got old man problems with my back and stuff.
1: Dude, that's, that's, Mom problems too. Let me tell you. You can ask Addison. Every morning, he turns over, and the first question he asks me is, "Are you feeling okay?
0: <laughs> How are you this morning?" He
1: has he has PTSD from my years of pain.
0: Mm. So that's
1: I think more so than I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you you mentioned you know that our relationships change all the time, whether it be with with a religious belief or with our spouse or or whoever, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I really had to learn. You know, I'd heard him a whole lot about the honeymoon period, you know, of of being married and stuff. And I was like, Oh, you know, but this is, this is never going to change. You know, we, we love each other, you know, we're going to live each (laughs) each other. We're going to live each other the same way. And you do and you don't. And that's something that you have to learn when you get married that, you know, I mean, me and Tinker, we lived together for a year and a half before we got married. A good year before we got married, you know, and and it was.
1: So was your honeymoon phase at the beginning of living together, or
0: was it actually after? Like, like where did that fall for you guys? It was. It was. It was really weird for us because I mean, once we started, when we started dating, it was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was. It was because I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm I'm kind of like Addison where I was, all, I'm a social butterfly. Never meet a stranger. Um, yeah. We went to Ireland. Uh, Jud's wife said, if we get, if we get to Dublin and somebody says, hango, I will not be surprised because, <laughs> because whenever we go anywhere, if we go anywhere here in our local area, to one of the bigger towns, we got to eat. I run into somebody I know either from, uh, my old business or who's a, uh, who's belongs to a Masonic lodge in another town that I've done work with. You know, it's, we're, we're, even though there are multiple communities and towns around here, you, there's like one big town near us. And that's kind of where everybody goes to do all their shopping and to go to the Outback Steakhouse or something, you know, for the Olive Garden or whatever. And so, living the life. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, um, you always kind of run into somebody you know um, it's like a like a 6 8 county radius come to this one town to do everything and and so it, and and Tinker's not that way she is not um, i get to know everybody kind of person she's it's not that she's uh, bashful with withdrawn she just don't i guess she's like stranger danger she don't she don't really want to talk to anybody you know you um, want to know what's funny? Because
1: you said that that was like Addison. That's me in our relationship. <laughs> I'm the one that knows <laughs> to everyone. And do. like when we were younger, he was more that way, but he's really kind of trimmed down who his friends really are and like focuses on his people. Whereas I'm still the one that's like out in the universe kind of. I'm the teacher. I'm the one that does all the voice lessons. I'm the one that does musical theater in the community. Like, so. Anytime we go anywhere, it's my friends that we're avoiding, and he's just like, why Why is there another person trying to talk to us? Does this have to happen right now?
0: I, I think, so when we got together, um, I kind of handled the talking to people, you know, so she wouldn't have to deal with it, you know, and, and yeah. she is really good at um, planning stuff. As far as like vac- mm. vacations and stuff, man, she, itineraries... Flats. I mean, she is Johnny on the spot. Would
1: you like to hire her? What's that? I would like to hire her, please.
0: Because <laughs> well, I need a vacation. Oh, I can, we, Great. Can, we can fix you up. We are a... Uh, Spring break
1: is coming in March. <laughs> you, I have been desperately trying to get plans on the
0: table. <laughs> are, you, are you taking the kids with you?
1: Um, I mean, I think so, simply mm. because of the... If we do something, just because of covid in this year they haven't really had the opportunity to do the normal things like we do normally like the zoo and stuff like that because we're not really letting our kids do the mask thing um so i i would like to take them if we do something addison wants to you know obviously not have children around but (laughs) to me it just feels like they haven't had a year of like anything and they're so picked up up
0: ready ready to go
1: And I mean, thank God we moved to a place with more outdoors that they can just like run and go crazy. Because if not, if we still lived where we lived last year, I probably would have killed one of them by now.
0: No, but so when me and her got together, um, you know, it was kind of, um, it was, we were really evenly yoked. If you want to Mm -hmm. to use a a biblical term, um, the things that I sucked at, she was really good at. The things that she wasn't so good at, I could handle it. Um, you know, I'm not the best at a lot of like in-depth fixing things, but I know a guy who can do it, you know, I mean, that's, you know, and, and so our honeymoon phase was really like for the first three, four years of our relationship, both pre-marriage and after we got married, um, we were both really happy just living together yeah Um, but we we got married you know because grandparents like seeing their grandkids get married you know and and that's (laughs) not the the only reason it's really not the only reason i mean i i I love her Mm -hmm. i love her a ton i wouldn't trade her for anything um but then you know life comes at you comes at you quick you know she she had a really at the time she'd For the Well, she just changed jobs back beginning of this year. So from the time that she moved in with me up until earlier this year, she had the same job. So people, people of our generation don't really stay at jobs that long. Right. You know, know, four or five years, you're trying to find something else. So for her to work at the same job for 14 years, 13 years, that's a long time for someone in our generation. Yeah. Um, it came to, it came to a point in her job where she was having to do, uh, It was one year she was traveling. I think she, tra- she was away from home like three or four months out of the year, back and forth flying to California for two weeks, home for three days, California for mm-hmm. a week, home for two days, out to California for you know, a couple more weeks, home for a week. Um, that was a rough year. Yeah, you know, and you you can't get bitter at somebody who who is doing a job, you know, because they're they're paying bills. Um, but it it taxes your relationship a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, the weeks I'm working now, I see her when she's getting out of bed in the morning, and I'm going to bed, and I see her when I'm headed out the door, hit the road all night long, you know, yeah. but the weeks I have off like this week, I mean, I'm, I'm there 24, seven, those weeks off. Um, and you go through phases. Um, you go through phases where you fall back in love again, you know, and it may not even be getting away for a vacation. It may be her putting a note in my lunchbox. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I, I pull over at a truck stop at night to eat my lunch and I open it up and I said, no, nope, her and the her and the dogs. Hey, we love you. You know, things like that make mean more than anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, knowing you've got somebody who has got your back. at a, no matter if you're at home or if you're on the road, that, that they still love you and they let you know that. Yeah. Um That's something that I think her and I have always done really well is making sure the other one knows, Hey, I love you, you know, and, and, and that, that means more than buying her diamonds. It means more than her, you know, buying me a new gun or picking up a box, picking up a box of ammo while she's at Walmart or something, you know, um, (laughs) your Walmart still sells ammo Hey, where do you think I live at? <laughs> Everyone sells ammo. The feed store. I never- quit, man. Well, yeah, you live in the city, the bunch of heretics. Cool.
1: All right. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, we live in a communist county. Yeah, exactly. Well, I
0: mean, our corner stores sell ammo. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, no, I, I think, you know, we've been together for, oh, shit. It'll be 14 years in May. We've been married. Hi. You know, we've been together for over fifteen years. Um, you know, and sometimes you're not
1: that far ahead of us.
0: <laughs> we we were. See, so I was twenty six and she was twenty seven when we got married. So we, we both got married. You know, later than than the most people our age. Um, you know, and and knowing that, just the fact knowing that, you know, when I get home in the morning, she's going to be there. You know, j- just knowing that you've got somebody who's always going to be there for you means more than anything. You know, I've had, a, I've had a lot of friends who have been through a couple of divorces already, you know, and you see how it turns their life inside out. Yeah. And I couldn't have ever imagine going through something like that.
1: I had a friend who had been divorced twice and was headed into her third divorce before I ever even got married. Mm. And it was just heartbreaking because she had kids and everything. And, you know, Addison and I didn't meet until I was almost 21 and, you know, we got married at 24 and, you know, it was just, we were later down the path, the path than some people, not that we felt like we were old by the time we got married at all. We didn't, but, I feel like we just knew ourselves better than a lot of people do. And when you just run into it and you go too soon and you know, like I had a friend that got married like when she was 20, if I had married the person that I was dating at like
0: 18, 19, 20, oh,
1: same oh my soul. Yeah. I agree. like I can't, I can't even imagine it. Like, and it wasn't even that much later that I met Addison, but he was just so crucial in some of the things that, have happened in my life that have changed me and made me a better person. And you know, the question that I always get with Addison and I talked about beforehand, like I was concerned about the pod coming onto a podcast because the first question anyone ever asked me is like, how are you married to him? Like <laughs>
0: that kind of question. Look, and, look, some questions cannot be answered. And I wasn't going to put that well, one
1: <laughs> But like, to me, it, it's an offensive question. You know, nobody ever means it that way, but it it's like, this is way. my yeah. person that I have chosen to build my life with and spend my entire life with. I have no intention of ever getting divorced. We both knew that going into it. We're building a family together. Our future, it's like, this is my future and my, my choice. And it's going to always be my choice. You know, it's just me. Yeah. People are like, I fell in love or whatever, but that's not reality. The reality is being in a relationship, you know, it does ebb and flow like you were talking about it it changes. And every day you have to commit to being in that relationship. You have to commit to saying, I love you. And even when you don't feel it, you have to like choose to still say it and do it because you do, you know, and, and people just don't understand that. And they don't understand him as a person (laughs) because I, I get to see Addison, not, not, Addison Todd, host of GTSC. Like, <laughs> I, I know Addison, you know, the person. And he is an incredible man. And anytime people ask me that, I'm just like, really? Like, is that necessary? Mm. Because he's fantastic. And you mean nothing to me. Like, I don't ever have to talk to you ever again because you are not the person that I've staked my life on. Yeah. He is. And that should say enough to you. Like he is the person that I have staked my life on. I'm attached to him. This is what we're doing. Like, this is our thing, you right. know, Come hell or high water, there is going to be Meredith and Addison Todd. And there's not, I took his last name, yo, like that's not, that's not a negotiable thing for me, you know? And, and he's, I am who I am today because of him. Right. And, I just wish that more people could understand that Like, he has been so crucial in every step that I've had on my path. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for it. You know, it should
0: be. I mean, like I said, um, you know, I, I just, I just knew them as, you know, uh, as two guys that had a podcast, you know, and, and like I I said, he mentioned at the end of one of their episodes, I'm on telegram, reach out to me there. I'm like, the fuck is Telegram? So I go to the app store, search <laughs> for it. And I'm like, oh telegram, it's a messaging service. So I download it. And I just I started to create an account right quick and I'm like, um, hey man, really enjoy your show. Just, you know, just wanted to say uh, uh thanks for the show. I, I really enjoy it. Right back. How'd you hear about us? <laughs> where are you from? He <laughs> was trying to get, he was like, a person, a person likes us. <laughs> That's I was like, I'm sure like when that bitch came through, he was like, Matt, we got one. We found one. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, they you... started
1: with me. I was the first conquer.
0: No. So. <laughs> well, I mean, and so we went from that to, you know, him starting the chat room and him just pulling me in there randomly one night, you know, to me planning that trip to, to St. Charles to see my buddy and I told him, like, hey, man, I'm going to be up in St. Charles this weekend if, if y'all want to grab a beer or just hang out or whatever. And uh, he's like, well, come on the show. You know, I'm like, okay, you know. So he, he that night, he sends me um, the address to where they record at, and, and I get there. And so I come pulling up <laughs> this shady street, you know. <laughs> I get out of the car, and he's, like, picking out the, picking out the window, you <laughs> know. Looking out at the door, So I come walking up there with this this jug of spring water. I, I brought us a peace mm. offering, you know, to, to the, the the hydro gods. He swings that door open. How's it going, man? I'm like, what are you doing? He shakes my hand, and I walk in. And Matt comes into the room, and we're all standing there looking at each other. Matt goes, "Well, this is surreal. I'm like it, it really, it really is. You know, you finally met somebody who listens to your show." Um, but yeah, I mean, from from that moment, um, you know, that made me feel really welcome. And, and I, I, you know, the first probably the first five ten minutes of the episode, we're kind of filling each other out, you know, because I don't, yes. which I know there's no boundaries with those two. It's it's green flag racing from the get go. Um, <laughs> But you know, no, the like, key is they start forty five minutes beforehand. <laughs> no one knows, like they their
1: warm up is done by the time they start, like.
0: So yeah, I mean, so after about five ten minutes, they kind of saw where I was coming from, where I could interject without being. You don't want to step on the host for sure, you know. Oh. Um I, th- I thought we clicked really well in that episode. It was re- it was really nice of them to to have me over, and to you know, just treat me like one of the guys. And uh, I think it's this kind of guy Edison is. Um, mm-hmm. This guy just just a really he, he he accepts people for who they are because he accepted this dumb redneck from the South as just a dumb redneck from the South, you know, you know and just, um, he's just a really good guy. And I, I could see how, how people are drawn to him. Yeah. yeah. And I meant none of that Addison. So don't think that I'm trying to blow smoke up your ass or anything. <laughs> it was all I, I just said that to be nice in front of your wife. Um, anything? well, I
1: believe it. So it's
0: okay if
1: you don't. because. He and I honestly had a conversation about the other night. I, you know, cause he was talking about like, how in the world do people, why, why do people listen? I don't understand. We tell them to stop listening. I don't get it. You know? And, and I told him, I was like, you don't even understand who you are and what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Like people want to hear what you have to say even when it's complete and total nonsense sometimes
0: (laughs) it's entertainment i mean it really is whether you whether whether you agree with what they say or not whether you believe what they say or not
1: um i don't even know if they believe half of what they say they're just just talking man that's the whole point of the show and that that's what took me i think the longest to process about the show because so I, i listened to the show as an avid listener, obviously during the girlfriend years and the early wife years, like when that was happening, I was very, very much involved. And then I kind of like changed and adjusted. And I think it was around the Trump first initial getting elected, like the show became really political and I just didn't care because I was getting enough of it at home all the time. Um, and so I stopped listening for a while and I've kind of come and gone since then, like As you know, Matt has apologized to me on the show before because I get pissed (laughs) off about stuff that they say sometimes. But it's because I forget that, like, the whole point of the show is to just, like... Be
0: inflammatory?
1: Yes, be inflammatory. (laughs) But they're just talking about whatever, and they just say whatever pops into their head, and they just go down whatever rabbit hole. It doesn't matter if the rabbit hole makes sense or what's happening, they just jump off and they're gone. And And for me, that's difficult. I'm not that kind of a person. Like I'm very like, where are we going with this? This doesn't make any sense. Why even bother wasting the time with this conversation? You know, it's hard to be married to a podcast host when you're that kind of person. Sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like I told him, I mean, when I have harpoon and Judd over, that's really what you're, what you're hearing is us, what we used to do when we'd, sit out in the shop, have a couple of drinks, you know, is just more in kind of an organized and organized fashion. And um, even Harpoon said it on the last show they were on. Um, you know, it's, it's good to have this recorded for once because for years, mm-hmm. everything we said just kind of went off into the ether, but now it's, you, know, you can go back and we can listen to it when we're, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old or whatever, no matter how much nonsense yeah. it is. And, and Addison and Matt have got a, a, a good six or eight year record of that now, yeah. You know, and, and I know we've talked a lot about Addison, Matt the same way. Matt is just Matt has always been super cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. you ask him a question, and you're gonna get the truth, according to yep. Matt. I mean, he doesn't, yep. Matt really doesn't pull punches, and I, I appreciate that. He'll tell you exactly yep. what you know, right where he stands at from the get go, yeah. And, and he's a hell of a cook.
1: <laughs> that is entirely accurate and it's funny (laughs) because honestly that that time of his life what in addison's life was like a big deal for him because he met me and matt pretty much about the same time Mm. and dano and all of them like we i was part of the gang that was hanging out at ganghams till 2 and 3 a.m when they were first having those crazy tabletop conversations of just nonsense I can't tell you the number of hours that I just sat there and listened to the three of them talk and was like, what have I gotten myself into? Like what is happening right now?
0: So last question, what's your favorite musical? West Side story? Flat out.
1: I mean, there's reasons, but yes, that's, that's probably the top one. Not my favorite that I've probably ever done. Mm-hmm like music directed wise, but the one that
0: if you had a a chance to go see any musical, it'd be West Side Story. If you had to watch one musical for the rest of your life, which (laughs) now you're backtracking. If you had to watch one musical for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: West Side Story has the most emotional
0: connection for me. You mean not not that communist pop dream in my life. What about the communist pop dream that's Newsies? Where are you going? Okay, Come back!
1: I had so much fun doing newsies. <laughs> <cannot even> <laughs> newsies is the best. Oh man! So if I if I had a show that I had to conduct like music direct for the rest of my life, it would probably be the Hunchback of Notre Dame.
0: Okay, but what because about because it has everything? What about the as a choir, fan though?
1: The ensemble, the orchestra.
0: Like as a as, as it, a as a fan of. Musical theater. What would you want to see all the time? Is there one that could ever just? Is there one that would not ever get old? There, but they're all just so good. I don't. Don't <laughs> ask me questions like that. <laughs> I, I bring the tough questions here. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Oh man. Um, and I'm sure it, it would I'm sure it would change from today to tomorrow.
1: You know, honestly, it would probably be West Side Story. Like if it was the original cast, or like somebody that I really because that's the musical that has stuck with me the longest in my life. Right. And I think that that, uh, if that's the realm we're going in yes, would I want to do that show every day for the rest of my life? Absolutely no. not. But if I could listen to it every day for the rest of my life. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, Meredith, we have yeah. done almost two hours. Woo. I, I didn't mean to keep you. I like I told Addison, I didn't mean to keep him on for two hours when he was on here. Cause I know y'all have kids you're juggling and everything else.
1: They're in bed. We are free sailing right now, man.
0: <laughs> you want to bring him in here right quick? Can y'all share a microphone?
1: Uh, sure. Hey, babe. I don't know where
0: he went. Hold on. Tango would like to invite you back to his podcast. Hey, bye. man. <laughs> the, I, I was just going to say bye to y'all uh, since you blew me up during my entire podcast. Uh, <laughs> I had to turn my phone. I had to turn my bitch. phone over. I was they like, were "Funny, <laughs> I was being funny." It's that classic Todd humor. We were humor. about politics, and so I said, "You did nine 11 which I didn't <laughs> think either was a point that either one of you were going to make.
1: <laughs> True, we <laughs> would not have made that point. And then, uh, what was the other one I said? Oh, we never talked about his blue light glasses. Oh, aren't oh. they ridiculous? I love them. He's so sexy when he wears glasses. Oh my glasses.
0: God! Stop.
1: He I'm, looks so. He looks so much like Clark Kent. He is my Superman. I love him. Stop Look at lying him. to Look at him. It.
0: You're just lying. You're just lying it's to the man's sick. face now. I. I have, I'm not. I've got readers now because I'm old. So, <laughs> I've got those going for me. Look at you. Yeah, like a real nerd. Um, how can you <laughs> complain? I'm not afraid of computer screens, Addison. Also, oh, why do you? Oh, yeah. Well, you should be <laughs> listen to the show. I'll fucking it. tell you about those things. All right, so <laughs> Meredith and Addison, now thank y'all both being on tonight. Um, go, go check out Matt and Addison over it. Give that some thought. Please don't. Please, and not please me. do.
1: I've never been on it. You
0: can, <laughs> This is. Uh, this is my coup d'etat against Addison Todd by having his wife on my show before he had her on his show. Look, honestly, if you could take over my half of GTSD, please do so. No, 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 no. I'm not messing with that chemistry. It's, it's, you love Matt. It's Um Go to tripodbroadcasting.com. Check out, give that some thought with Matt and Addison. Go check out Rick and the guys over at Barnhill Outdoors. And also check out Aaron at, uh, I have the high ground, his Star Wars podcast also go by evils.com e-a-b-l-e-s.com use the promo code hango 15 percent off at checkout uh, meredith addison thank y'all so much for being on i really appreciate it a whole lot for sure, dude. thank you it's fun I love you guys love all y'all out there have a good night thanks bye